0: But we're going to um, uh, go through the Word of God this morning. And again, I have to confess that as I sat down, I made my preparations to continue, uh, which was only an introduction to a series I want to do on discipleship. And then last week I was diverted and moved to preach on Israel. And then Thursday night, I, it was exactly the same thing again. And so I sat down on Friday and uh, went and continued to study God's word. And I want to share with you again what the Lord has put on, on my heart. Because there's a lot that's going on and there's great significance to what's happening in Israel and Bible prophecy. And as we all know, and everyone's kind of captured by it. And, uh, and preachers are preaching about it. People are talking about it. And uh, even so, again, here I am today uh, ministering on it. But for good reason, because it's not, important, not just important that we understand God's purposes for Israel, which is so critically important because what's going on in the world, but also our hope that is attached to that uh, as well and uh, all that relates to the gospel and the purposes of God and Jesus' second coming. Now last week we looked at uh, Israel's national salvation and, uh, and emphasized the point and this was the main emphasis as we considered a number of things. But the main point was that we wanted to consider how God's ultimate plan is to break and humble the Jew or the nation of Israel to the point in which they will ultimately, as the scripture says, be saved in one day as well. I mean, uh, the gospel, uh, this is uh, powerful when you consider this. But the, the sad reality is is that they're going to go through a time of immense suffering. Preceding that, to the point without God's intervention, uh, they wouldn't be saved. Because the world wants to exterminate the Jew, you haven't realised? And annihilate the Jewish nation. But yet, uh, there's a spiritual dimension that is completely uh, uh, at the root of all of this, that relates to uh, God's plan and his purpose. And uh, it's not uh, Israel as such, even though they're part of it. It is, the, it is God himself. Because God is is the God of Israel. God has has attached his name and his uh, his testimony to the nation and his ultimate plan and purpose on the earth. And so it's a spiritual war. And we know God wins, amen? Amen. But in the process of that, there is much to consider and to work through. So we looked at this issue that Israel is, is going to ultimately be humbled before God and be broken And at that point, when they finally surrender to Jesus, their Messiah, they will be saved. And it was interesting because in all the scriptures I looked at last week, Sam brought one to my attention, and I'm going to read it because it summed it all up in just one simple uh, uh, scripture in the book of Daniel, chapter 12. And so um, uh, let me read it to you as we move forward. Now, again, I'm going to go through a few scriptures this morning. And the reason being is, is, as we consider these things, I can talk and talk talk, but it's just so more powerful when we hear the scripture, especially in this context in relation to what we're dealing with. So there's going to be a few scriptures that we're going to work through, but that's necessary in what we're considering and allowing God's testimony and God's word to be announced and proclaimed. But in Daniel chapter 12, speaking about Israel, and it says in verse 1, at the time Michael shall stand up. The great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble. Remember we spoke about Jacob's trouble last week. A time of trouble. Such as never was since there was a nation. This is this trouble that's coming. Still to come. And uh, even to, to that time, at the time your people shall be delivered. This is God's promise. Everyone who is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame, some to everlasting contempt. There's so much in all of this, don't have time, obviously. There are those, the wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked. And there stood two others, one on the river bank, and the other on the riverbank. And one said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, How long shall how long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? And in verse seven, then I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters in the river, and he held up his right hand and his left hand in heaven, and swore by him who lives forever, that it shall be for a time and times. And half a time, three and a half years during that seven-year tribulation, the 70th week of Daniel. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, when the power of the holy people, when the power of Israel has been completely shattered, we boast about how good they are, how strong they are, how advanced they are. But this is God's word and this is God's plan. He says, when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, All these things shall be finished. See that? That's the the point of Israel's national salvation. But there is a whole process... That's still playing out. There's so much prophecy yet to be fulfilled that is being fulfilled before our eyes. I mean, it is immense. That's why students of the Bible are looking at it and are considering there's so many prophecies that have been fulfilled, there's so many yet to be fulfilled. And so uh, we understand that. And now, as students, we, we, we look into these things. But you see, again, I'm just, it's, uh, as I was contemplating just this aspect again, It was, you know, remember we talked about where Jesus laments over Jerusalem just before Matthew 24 and he weeps and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And he says, You will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And he talks about their suffering that is to come. In Luke's gospel, in the synoptic gospel, where Luke talks about it, it's interesting because Luke says these words in Luke 19, verse 41. Let me read it to you. Luke 19, verse 41. It says, now, as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. This is Jesus. He says, if you had known, even especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace. Jesus is saying, if you knew that I am the answer to all your prayers. This was back then. I am your peace. I'm the one. They were waiting for a political ruler to come and free them from the rule of Rome and you know, the, the, the Messiah and all of those things. And yet they missed Christ in his first coming. And he says, he says, I'm the one that makes for your peace. But they didn't see that. They didn't recognize him as such. Now listen to what he says. But now they are hidden from your eyes. Now you're going to be blinded. And it's going to be hidden from your eyes. And he says, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. And now this is obviously a direct correlation to 70 AD where Rome went in and utterly destroyed the temple and not one stone, I mean, that was demolished. People were ravished. I mean, it was slaughtered. They were slaughtered. This was horrific. But it's not just, this is a perpetual thing in terms of what the Jew has suffered over the course of 2,000 years and then it will have another climax. Prophecy repeats itself with an ultimate fulfilment. That's why the preterist says, oh, no, it's Revelation is fulfilled because it was all back in 70 AD. Well, yeah, it had an application to it, but that wasn't its ultimate because it repeats prophecy and we are futurists and it has a future fulfillment. And so in light of that, what God's saying to Israel is that you're going to search for peace, but you're never going to find it until you say and see me as the one who brings that peace and the prince of peace. But you see, up until that point, Israel's searching for peace. Isn't it interesting that Israel was on the verge of signing a peace agreement with Saudi Arabia and this was, and Biden has just come out and said this is a motivation behind why some of this is going on here right now and there was, Israel was attacked. But you see, one day there's going to be a false peace and the Antichrist, the false messiah, that the Jew will receive and be deceived, and then ultimately, then after that, when they realise that they have been deceived, and the abomination of desolation, as Jesus referred to, and then hell's going to be unleashed upon them, until Jesus intervenes. Now, in saying all of that, there's a lot to get through this morning, but we. I want to share further uh, insight and light on on Israel and what's going on in the world today and just look at some of the aspects because anti-Semitism has manifested its ugly face in a way that hasn't been seen for, well, since the days of the Holocaust, really. And this is a demonic and satanic manifestation Is a spirit, because it's spiritual, first and foremost. It manifests itself physically, but there's a spiritual entity and entities behind this. And so, in light of that, we're seeing a a, a zeal from those who want to destroy and exterminate the Jew and the Jewish nation. And so, what we're seeing now is a microcosm of what is coming upon the world. Nations, Western nations. Even Australia is being affected and drawn into this spiritual vortex. If you haven't noticed what's going around on in West, it's these things. Oh, this is, happens in the Middle East. This is uh, the Arab nations. Well, hello, have you looked at what's going on in the Western nations lately? We're all being sucked into this vortex of, of the issue of the Jew and the nation of Israel. And we're being confronted with the realities of this spirit that wants to destroy not just Israel, uh, but it wants to destroy uh, not just the natural sea, but even, uh, the spiritual sea too. Don't forget that uh, the church, the Christians, and even anyone else who stands in its way. And so we're all being—we're all—all nations are being drawn into this whole issue. And so I want to consider it further in that context. See, who is, who is Hamas this morning? There's been stuff that's going around the internet as well. I did a bit of study on it myself. And what significance is the Gaza Strip? Who are the Palestinians? Because this is, again, scripturally, I want to look at these things and just bring a few things out There's a lot deeper we can go, but we're not going to go into the depths of that. I just want to draw out some relevant details. But you see, I want to just shed light on this attack that happened on the 7th of October with Israel because, again, it's really important that we understand this. It wasn't just... Because these things aren't coincidental. They're not just haphazard. They're very specific. And they have, uh, for, uh, uh, for example... We you, you obviously know that is, it was a Saturday, which for the, the Jew was a Sabbath day of rest, where they obviously focus on their religious worship. But it wasn't just a Sabbath. It was also a celebration of the Jewish feasts in their calendar, where a day in which they uh, would rejoice before the Lord regarding their autumn feasts. And it was a called, um, uh, what is it? Simcha Is something? I don't know how to pronounce it. What is it? Ah, yeah, Yom Kippur. That's what I was going to get to that point. But there's also another particular term where they celebrate the Torah. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Simka. Yeah, my Greek and my Hebrew aren't that good. That's all right. My English is fine. (laughs) So. We have this time in, where the Jew is in a national day of celebration. They are preparing themselves to rejoice before God and uh, they're going to celebrate the Torah and in doing so it's a time of joy, of Jewish pride, of unity amongst the Jew and they come together and they have a, uh, they, they, they have a, um, a gathering. It's called, again, I'm just going to say it, Hakafo, uh, or something like that, right? Now, what it is, it's a time where they dance with the Torah. And they dance. It's a time of celebration. So you, it's a time of joy for them in this day. And yet, right, you know the story that morning. Uh, they come, the, the their enemy penetrates their defences, unbeknownst to them, unaware, totally... Asleep to the fact that they've been penetrated as a nation and we know what took place. And the sad thing is, is rather than they rejoiced, they entered into a deep time of mourning and their enemies rejoiced. You look at pictures around Gaza in Gaza, and the enemy—they were dancing, they were celebrating the, butch, the, the brutality of 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 murder and rape, things that we are too horrific to even speak of. And they are of wickedness and evil, and they are celebrating with pure joy in their hearts at this. It's insane, right? But it, it wasn't just confined to to Gaza. It was this thing spread across the world, and we know what even happened in Western nations. We saw what happened even on the doorsteps of in our own nation, there in the Sydney Opera House, and people are you know uh, gas the Jews, kill the Jews, and, and they're celebrating the butchery of these innocent people, celebrating. It's on our own doorstep. It's in Australia. It's in Western nations. How did it get there? How did it come here? Because the same spirit is now manifesting in our midst. They wouldn't have thought that many years ago. But we're seeing it today for various reasons. And as Sam pointed out, it was the, happened to be the 50th year, well, it was Yom Kippur as well, but it was from the Yom Kippur War. It was the 50th year anniversary to the day. In 1973, on the first Sabbath, on the 6th of January, that's when the Yom Kippur War, It was a surprise attack on the nation of Israel again, in the same context, in the same spirit. It happened again. How does it happen? (laughs) Why does God allow that? Because that's what we looked at last week. God allows for this. How can, you know, the question, everyone at the beginning, the big question was, was there must be a conspiracy. You know, people were saying, oh, Israel, the people were talking. And because somehow, how did it happen? How can a nation that has the best defence system in the world, its greatest intelligence in the world, and yet not know that this was happening under their nose? Hmm. Wait, God. <laughs> that's the, that's, that's the, that's the issue. God is at work and we must identify the Lord this morning. And so we have the issue of the Gaza Strip that surrounds the, the borders of Israel. We have the Arab nations. We have the joyous celebrations of the West and the killing of innocent Jews. This is pure hatred. And uh, and as I said, Western nations are having to grapple with how to deal with this These issues, our own Prime Minister, our own governments are grappling with these issues. How do we respond? And so they're grappling with this demonic spirit that is at work in the world that has now manifested itself and embedded itself, I should say, in Western nations, which is really concerning, but it's the reality. You know, immigration and multiculturalism has brought with it unprecedented ancient issues uh, that now we have to process. Now, I'm not saying as a result of that, you know, we shouldn't have immigration or migration. Don't misunderstand my point this morning. That's, a not, that's really not my issue. My issue is just to note that in doing so, we have inherited and unleashed upon ourselves ancient issues and really spiritual powers that are now manifesting themselves in our nation. Amongst and so to the point where, where where our own authorities will say to the Jews, "Oh, don't come out; it's not safe for you to do so." Really, is that what's happening now in the West? Look, you've you've been hearing it: France, US, Europe, um, um, uh, England, UK, you name it. All the Western nations are grappling with it on their own soil, and it's polarized the nations, and, and uh, having to be drawn into it and deal with this particular issue, the issue of the Jew. And so I want to look at some ancient aspects of this spirit, and apply it to the modern era, and look at it, some Bible prophecy that's happening all around us. But I want to start, first start with the, the Palestinians, and who are they? Who are the Palestinians this morning? Jordanians. Jordanians. Okay. And, and even more so when you look at the ancient uh, uh, history, and that it is uh, in short, the answer is the the, the um, in short, they're the Philistines, in short. But nevertheless, when we think about the, the 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 Palestinians, when we think about Philistines, we understand in the Bible that these are the ancient enemies of the Jews. And so, you know, you've read your Bible, you understand certain aspects concerning the history of not only Israel but of the Middle East, and you begin to realise that there was once a place called Philistia. And this place <coughs> was the home of the Philistines in the Bible. Now, we're, we could go further back but we, uh, to their beginnings because they came further back from the Canaanites, and in fact, they, uh, people that trace, it, trace them back, to, the, to the, the island of Crete, actually. But anyway, let's, let, not, I'm not going to go that far back, but let's just touch with it to the degree in which it's now relevant. That is the Philistines. And so that this land, Philistia, uh, uh, was on the western flanks of ancient Israel, and it was by the sea. And so you can see that. If you have a Bible, actually, you can just turn to the back of your maps and you'll begin to see it there. And uh, you can see this place. It's on the, on, on the, the western flank of the, of the nation of Israel and it sits by the sea and it, it was known in ancient times as Philistia. And here we have uh, places that we have become familiar with. These were cities that were, were identified within it, Was just Gaza, Ashkelon, Ashdod, in fact this is where uh, uh, the ancient enemy of Israel and uh, of Goliath remember Goliath was a Philistine and he was from Gath Gath was another city of the whole Gaza on this flank and it is known today by the same term the Gaza strip doesn't cover all the same lands it's a little bit different but it's still in the same you know principally speaking it's in the same spot and so here you have these archenemies of Israel and now through circumstances that took, have taken place over the few, last few decades that, that brought them into this place, into the same principality, in the same geographical location, you have this group of people. And, the word, and, and when we say Palestinians, it's important to define that as we will in a moment. But you see... In Joshua, in the Old Testament, in Joshua chapter 11, verse 22, uh, uh, the Bible says, None of the Anakim were left in the land of the children of Israel. They remained only in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashdod. So the Anakim that were left... Now, these were giants that were uh, 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 going back, but not, not, not that they were all giants. But nevertheless, we're identifying... This ancient uh, group of people that were the enemy of Israel. They, and even in the time when Israel went into the promised land under Joshua to take the land and have to dispossess all their enemies, and you know the whole story there of taking the promised land. Well, at the end of it, the Bible says that there they, they was left in the land of the children of Israel, they were those of the Anakim that were in Gath, and they were located in that same section of Gaza, Gath, and in Ashdod. In Judges chapter 3, let me read that to you because this is also significant because God allowed for this. In Judges chapter 3 verse 1, this is now, Joshua has now uh, departed and this is the next generation. And it says in verse 1, now these are the nations which the Lord left. I mean that they all weren't driven out, they were supposed to be, but this was... Ideally, but this is how the situation resolved and remained. It says, Now these are the nations which the Lord left, that he might test Israel by them. Notice that word, test Israel by them. That is all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. This was only so that the generation of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formally known it. Namely, five lords of the Philistines. And that all the Canaanites, the Sidonians and the Hivites who dwelt in Mount Lebanon, Mount Baal, Hermon and to the entrance of Hamath. And they were left that he might test Israel by them to know whether they would obey his commandments of the Lord which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. So that's interesting. God left this group of people and others to test Israel because, uh, and that they would learn to know war. They would learn to fight because they weren't just going to receive those blessings and the promises of God without a faithfulness to God. And we read later about their unfaithfulness, unfortunately. And then what happens when they were unfaithful? Their enemies prevailed over them. When they were faithful to God and repented, what would happen? They would gain the ascendancy over their enemies. That's how it worked in the, in the Old Testament. And so Here you have it. But you have this this group of people who sought the destruction of Israel, who sought to destroy the nation, who sought to to terrorise them time and time and time again here in the Scripture. This is now, we're talking Old Testament, right? And so much so that uh, David, remember the story of um, Saul and Jonathan—they were killed in one day in a battle, as foretold by God. For uh, and uh, and the, the enemy triumphed over Israel, and uh, they killed the Philistines. Killed jo- uh, Saul and Jonathan in one day. And in Sa- uh, in second, sorry, in Second Samuel chapter one, verse nineteen. The Bible says, this is David, King David speaking. He says, The beauty of Israel is slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Don't tell Gath. Proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. David says, Tell it not to those in Gaza. Remember, this is not today. We are talking back then. Tell it not to those in Gaza. David says, because the daughters of the Philistines will rejoice and the uncircumcised of heart will triumph. And David despised that reality, that his enemies would rejoice over them, over their destruction, over over, over their deaths. And look, exactly the same thing happens today. What happens is the murder of innocent people and the Jew and here they are in the Gaza Strip and they are rejoicing and they are, were celebrating. And then we see that same spirit released and you see it all across the Western nations where you have those, those Arabs that are coming together and they are rejoicing in, not all, not all you know, some Arabs I should say and those who claim Palestinian and all the rest of it, but they're rejoicing. This is evil and wicked, and that's why the, the Jews that are scattered across the world in Western nations are, have been haunted by what's just taken place. Because they're seeing, they uh, the, they they they've heard. As Josh Frydenberg came out and said, they heard about these things, they understood them, but so many of them didn't experience the reality, and they've just it's touched them in a way that they had never known before. And we're seeing all of this. But you see, in light of these aspects, God has a plan. In Isaiah chapter 14, verse 31, the prophet says, Wail, O gate, cry, O city, all you of Philistia, which in the King James is actually says Palestina. Mind you, Palestine. All of you of Philistia are dissolved for smoke will come from the north and no one will be alone in his appointed times. What will they answer, the messengers of the nation? What will they tell, the people of of, of Philistia? What will they tell those of of the Philistines? Listen to what it says in verse 32. That the Lord has founded Zion. The Lord has founded Zion. This is not the issue of just Israel and the Jew. We're talking talking about the God of Israel. Because the Lord founded Zion. The Lord founded Jerusalem. The city of God. And so he is the God of Israel. And though the enemy tries to destroy and annihilate the Jew... They forget one thing: that the that God is the one who has founded Jerusalem. You know the name Phyllis, uh, the, uh, um, Palestine, I should say, has been known for that name for two thousand years, and in, it relates back to um, uh, after seventy AD, actually one thirty-five AD. There was a Roman emperor, and his intention. Again, they had gone in again and again, and they brought destruction upon the Jewish nation, upon the Jew, as it happened over and over. And so, as a, as and as they carried off the Jews and scattered them over the, across the world and killed them and all the rest of it, the, uh, the the Roman emperor at that time, in 135 A.D., he named he renamed that place and he called it Palestina, Syria Palestina, Palestine. And the whole reason was because the word Palestine in Latin means Philistines. And so he was calling it after the ancient enemy of Israel. And he renamed that land, the land of Israel, the land of God, God's land, because that's whose land it is. And they called it Palestine. And that's how the name today still exists, even though those that call themselves Palestinians are intermixed. And, you know, interconnected with Arab nations and all the rest of it. But still, that spirit exists and is alive and is well. Now, as we said, the land is God's. God gave that land to Israel. And this brings us to the next thing I want to consider with you, and that's the name Hamas. Hamas. Because you have Palestinians, you have Palestine, you have the Gaza Strip, all these things, and now you have Hamas that's embedded in that that locality, wanting to rain terror on the nation of Israel, Hamas. Now, who is Hamas? Again, we know they're a terrorist organisation, but the name, did you know the the word Hamas appears seven seven times in the Bible, as a verb, that is, because it comes from another Hebrew word which means violence. But it's a, it's a subtly, well, it's the same word, but just, uh, again, just bringing a distinction. But this particular word, Hamas, means, is interpreted violence in Scripture, in the Hebrew Bible, in Hebrew. And it means to treat violently. Violence, unjust gain, violate, damage, oppress. Does that sound familiar? This is the word Hamas in the Hebrew. And it's interesting where these... I'm not going to read all of them. I want to read a couple where this word is used in the Bible and how God refers to it because it gives us an indication of some things as well. So turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 7. In Ezekiel there's chapter 7, It's the word Hamas is used two times in the Hebrew. And... I want to read from verse we'll read from verse one. It says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, And you, Son of Man, thus says the Lord God to the land of Israel. At an end, the end has come upon the four corners of the land. Now the end has come upon you. Mind mind you, this has got to do with God's judgment on Israel before as in relation to their captivity, being sent off to Babylon. This is the context. And now the end has come upon you, and I will send my anger against you. I will judge you according to your ways, and I will repay you for all your abominations. My eye will not spare you, nor will I have pity, but I will repay your ways, and your abominations will be in your midst. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Thus says the Lord God. A disaster, a singular disaster. Behold, it has come. An end has come. The end has come. It has dawned for you. Behold, it has come. Doom has come to you. You who dwell in the land, the time has come. A day of trouble is near and not of rejoicing in the mountains. Not upon you. Now upon you I will soon pour out my fury. I spend my anger upon you. I will judge you according to your ways and I will repay you for all your abominations. My eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. I will repay you according to your ways and to your abominations in your midst. Then you shall know that I am the Lord who strikes. This is heavy, right? Verse 10. Behold the day. Behold it has come. Doom has gone out. The rod has blossomed. Pride has budded. Violence has risen up into a rod of wickedness. None of them shall remain. None of the multitude. None of them. Nor shall there be wailing for them. The time has come. The day draws near. Let not the buyer rejoice, nor the seller mourn, for wrath is on their whole multitude. Now, (coughs) the word Hamas is found here when it says, um, "Oh, where is it? 11, violence, correct, thank you. (laughs) Violence has risen up. Hamas has risen up. Against uh, violent, into a rod of wickedness. That's exactly still what it is. So even in the days of judgment upon Judah and Israel and Judah for their unfaithfulness to God, where God vomited out of the land and sent them into captivity, that judgment, we see, again, remember, prophecy is, is, is repeats itself and, uh, and, and so forth. And so here you have a reference in this context. And go down to verse 21 in, in chapter 7. Look down. It says, I will give it as plunder into the hands of strangers. This is God speaking about Israel. I will give it into the plunder or into the hands of strangers and to the wicked of the earth as spoil, and they shall defile it. And I will turn my face from them, and they will defile my secret place, for robbers shall enter it and defile it. Verse 23. Make a claim, for the land is filled with crimes of blood, and the city is full of violence. Therefore I will bring the worst of the Gentiles, and they will possess their houses. I will cause the pomp of the strong to cease, and their holy places shall be defiled. Destruction comes. And again, this word, um, is, uh, uh, it's found here again. In fact, I, I've, I've, my notes, have, uh, uh, it's not there. It's in the, it's, the Hebrew word Hamas is full of violence. The city is full of Hamas. There it is again, the Hebrew word. And so this is the same thing. We're seeing Hamas. We're seeing violence in the city. We're seeing Israel totally subjected to these things uh, and and allowed by God for these afflictions to come upon them because because Jesus said, if only you knew the day of your visitation. And so because of their rejection of the Messiah, now they are still subject to these things. As a result of that reality, that's why the greatest need for the Jew, despite God's purposes and plans being fulfilled in bringing them back to the land and we're identifying and we rejoice with those things, is still the gospel. The greatest need for the Jew is the gospel. Psalm 74, can you come turn there? Psalm 74. Again, I think it's important that we just read these because in and of themselves, they speak volumes. Look at Psalm 74. Let me go. Psalm 74. See, so this, uh, this is the contemplation of the psalmist And he's and again, I'm going to read it because I want you just to pick up the whole context. It says, "Oh God, why have you cast us off forever? Why does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture? Remember your congregation, which you have purchased of old, the tribe of your inheritance, which you have redeemed. This Mount Zion, where you have dwelt, because this is they understood then the promises. They understood then God's purpose. They understood then Zion, Mount Zion, was His possession." Look at verse 3. Lift up your feet to the perpetual desolations. The enemy has damaged everything in the sanctuary. Your enemies roar in the midst of your meeting place. They set up their banners for signs, and they seem like men who were lifted up, axes among the thick trees. And now they break down its carved work all at once with axes and hammers. This is destruction. They have set fire to your sanctuary. They have defiled the dwelling place of your name to the ground. They said in the hearts, let us destroy them altogether. They have burned up all the meeting places of God in the land. This is the land being ravaged by their enemies. We do not see our signs. There is no longer any prophet, nor is there any among us who knows how long. O oh God, how long will the adversary reproach? Will the enemy blaspheme your name forever? Why do you withdraw your hand, even your right hand? See, they're asking the same questions then that they're asking now. For God is my king from of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. You divided the sea by your strength. You broke the heads of the sea, serpents in the waters. You broke the heads of the Leviathan in pieces, meaning God's powerfully done so much. And you've given him as food to the people inhabiting the wilderness. You broke open the fountain and the flood, referring to the the great flood, and you dried up mighty rivers. I mean, God is miraculous. He can do anything. The day is yours. The night also is yours. You have prepared the light and the sun. You have set all the borders of the earth. You have made summer and winter. Now look at verse 18. Remember this, that the enemy has reproached you, O Lord. And that a foolish people has blasphemed your name, I oh, do not deliver the life of your turtle dove to the wild beast. Do not forget your life of your, uh, the, do not forget the life of your poor forever. Have respect to the covenant, for the dark places of the earth are full of the haunts of cruelty. That word cruelty is Hamas. Now think about that. He says on the um, He says, have respect for the covenant. He's pleading, God, you're almighty. You've done done miracles. Your hand is not short. You can do whatever you want, when you want, how you want. And yet, he's noting their oppression, that the enemy is triumphing over them. And the psalmist is crying out to God for deliverance. And he's saying, why, O Lord? And then he says in verse 20, have respect for the covenant. He understands the covenant, which is still in place. And he says these words, For the dark places of the earth are full of the haunts of cruelty. And they are, aren't they? That's the, it doesn't get any darker than what we're seeing with these, the, the savagery and the evil and the wickedness of men manifesting in these ways. It is Hamas, violence. And in this case, it's against the people of God, the Jew. Do you know that the word, we've just looked at the word Hamas in Hebrew you know in the word Hamas in Arabic, because they also have a word in in Arabic, Hamas, and it means zeal, fervor, fanaticism. And that's exactly what you have. You have a spirit that is zealous for the destruction of Israel, that is fervor to destroy them, to annihilate them, to terrorize them, and this spirit is at work. And it's working against the nation and terrorising them even still until one day it will seek to overcome them with all nations. It's a spirit that's at work. Look at Psalm 83 now that we're here. Just flip over, go to Psalm 83. I know many of you know these things, but for those that don't, it's good to read it and see it and hear it. Listen to what it says in Psalm 83. The psalmist says, Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace. Do not be still, O God, for behold your enemies make a tumult, and uh, those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people the Jew, and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, come, let us cut them off from being a nation. That's what they want. That's their intention says, Come, let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. For they have consulted together with one consent. They form a confederacy against you. Isn't that what's happening now? They form a confederacy, a confederacy against you. The tents of Edom. It names them now specifically, Edom, and the Ishmaelites and the Moabites and the Hagarites. And you, We don't have time to go through all the details of these names, but they're all the Arab nations and others and Gebal, Ammon, and Amalek, Philistia, the Philistines, or in this case the Palestinians, with the inhabitants of Tyre. Assyria also has joined with them, which is Syria. They have helped the children of Lot. This is, this is, this is the, the, the enemies. This is the nations coming against the people of God and ultimately God himself. Their agenda is, let's cut them off. We don't want them to, to cease to exist anymore. But you see, God has a plan. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 31, the prophet Jeremiah chapter 31. I know there's a lot of scripture reading this morning, but I think it warrants. Jeremiah chapter 31. I want to read from verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord. O nations, this is God speaking to the nations. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the isles afar off and say, He who scattered Israel will gather him. This is why we rejoice at the God's fulfillment in bringing the people back to their land. He will gather them and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. That's where it's going to lead. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of one stronger than he. Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion. They shall come and sing in the height of Zion. This is what's coming. They will be rejoicing in Zion church. Streaming to the goodness of the Lord. For wheat and new wine and oil. For the young of the flock and the the herd. Their souls shall be like a well-watered garden. And they shall sorrow no more at all. This is what they have ahead for them. Verse 13, then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance. Then she can dance. And the young, and that doesn't mean at a music festival either. It means uh, in, in God. And the young men and the old together. For I will turn their mourning to joy. I will comfort them and make them rejoice rather than sorrow. I will satiate the soul, satisfy the soul of the priests with abundance. And my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, says the Lord. There's a promise from God, from the prophet. But you know, you read that and you say, praise God, it's future. But look at the next verse, verse 15. I just want to bring your attention to it because this is how prophecy works. Thus says the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children because they are no more. What's that talking about? Doesn't that sound like, doesn't the the Gospels quote that scripture? And it talks about it when Jesus was born and the enemy and Herod wanted to kill Jesus and so they they killed every child under two. Again, Israel's suffering. So one minute, the words before talk about their glorious triumph and then the next verse talks about their suffering. This is why we need to interpret the Scriptures and understand how they and where they apply and this is the challenge that we all have. But this, I'm giving you an illustration of how it works. It works and there's many other places in scripture is exactly like this so the nation of Israel lives because the God of Israel lives amen he will be glorified in the nation of Israel God will be glorified in the land of Israel and he will be glorified in the city of Zion in the city of God Jerusalem you know, the, the, the Muslims may have a mosque there on the Temple Mount. And it may say God has no son. But I tell you what, Jesus is coming back and he's going to rule and reign from that Mount Moriah. And he's going to rule and reign, amen, from the throne of David. And he's going to step foot in Jerusalem. And Zion will be glorified. Christ will be exalted. And God's name will be glorified through it. The glory of God will be throughout the whole earth. That's what the Bible says. That's what we, 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 we rejoice in. Can, actually, let's go to, come with me to Isaiah 60. Let's go there. Isaiah chapter 60, because this talks about this glorification. I want you to read it. It's wonderful. So we can identify with it this morning. Isaiah chapter 60. Look at verse 1. Arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you. This is talking about the nation of Israel. And out of that deep darkness that's going to come upon them. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory, his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light. And kings to the brightness of your rising. This is not about the gospel and the Gentile coming to faith. This is about the nation of Israel and ultimately the Gentile nations coming to Israel and to the God of Israel. And he and they will come to his. The Gentile nations will come to the light of who Israel and the God of Israel, Christ, the light of the world. Now look at verse four. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come together. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant and your heart shall swell with joy. This is their redemption because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. Listen, the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The multitude of camels shall cover your land. dromedaries, dr- dr- whatever that is, of Midian and Epheth all those of Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense and they shall proclaim the praises of God. All the flocks of Kedah uh, shall get be gathered to you. The rams of Neboath shall minister to you. They shall ascend with acceptance on my altar and I will glorify the house of my glory. This is, this is glorious. And who, listen, who are those who fly like a cloud and like doves? To their roosts, surely the coastlands shall wait for me. The ships of Tarshish will come first to bring your sons from afar, their silver and their gold with them, and the name of the Lord your God and to the Holy One of Israel because he has glorified you. Israel's going to be glorified. God's going to be glorified in Israel and among the nations and the nations are going to come to Israel and the wealth of the nations is going to be brought by the nations to Israel. Not that they're going to plunder them. They're going to offer it to him because God's going to be glorified in that day. Then it says, look at verse 10. It says, Then the sons of the foreigners will build up walls, and their king shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you. This is Israel. But in my favor I have had mercy on you. Therefore your gates shall be opened continually. They shall not shut, be shut night or day that men may bring to you the wealth of the Gentiles there it is again and their kings in procession. For the nation and the kingdom which will not serve you shall perish and those nations shall be utterly ruined. The glory of Lebanon shall come to you. The glory of Lebanon? It doesn't sound like that now, does it now? The cypress and the pine and the box tree, meaning that what's precious to them will be given to Israel? The beauty and to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make the place of my feet glorious. Also the sons of those who afflict you shall come bowing to you. Listen to that. And all those who despised you shall fall prostrate at the soles of your feet. Now, this is not something to boast in. This is about God being glorified, okay? This is not, you know the Jew and being glorified and, you know, and some proud, you know, uh, you know, nationalistic, you know, eh. no, 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 this is not about that. This is about God and God in the nation and God's purpose and plan and God is glorified and Israel is glorified with them. And we will be glorified in that same time as well as the church. But here it relates to the nations and they shall fall prostrate at the soles of your feet and they shall call you, the city of the Lord, Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Praise God. I mean, this in light of everything that's going on, in light of everything that the Lord's going to bring upon them, this is God's ultimate plan, and He is going to glorify Himself in the nation of Israel, and all the nations, all of their enemies, are going to glorify God, and even the Philistines. Even Philistia, even the Palestinians, or even to call them, but all Arab nations, and, and, and the Bible even speaks about this in Isaiah 11 uh, as well, about Philistia. Because we're talking now in general of nations, but this relies specific aspects that relate to all this in Scripture, but we're not going to go that deep here. You see, the peace that Jesus said would elude Israel will come to them when the Prince of Peace comes. And uh, what a day it will be. We talk about the day it will be for us when Jesus we see. What a day it will be for them when Jesus they see. Amen. So at the moment, we have violence in the land for Israel and the Jew. And as I conclude, I just want to conclude with these thoughts. God has made the Jew a problem for all nations. And again, I just <coughs> excuse me, I just want to look at um, Zechariah chapter 12, if I can, just quickly as I conclude. I mean, but as, uh, my daughter showed me a, 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 some, some meme or something about a preacher, and it said it had conclusion, and then it had this long essay after it. <laughs> I don't think I'm like that, but I will be today, I think. (laughs) But here we have Zechariah chapter 12. I read this last week, but I want to read it again in the context that I just want to address it. Because Zechariah 12 says these words, The burden of the word of the Lord against Israel. Thus says the Lord, who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth, and forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make... Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples and they uh, and when they lay siege against you and Jerusalem and it will happen in that day that I'll make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all peoples all would have it have it away will surely be cut in pieces though all nations of the earth are gathered against it you know in these last days God has made Jerusalem a cup of trembling that word Trembling means a cup of drunkenness, or it means to reel, re- reel. You know, when a person's intoxicated and they're reeling. And uh, that's what God says, because the nations now are grappling. In Australia, we're grappling. That's why there's condemnation upon our criticism, I should say, from the Prime Minister, because they're so slow in coming out to defend the Jew. You know, Israel perceives to have done something wrong, and the whole world's like, oh, look at them, war crimes, oh, how evil, how wicked. And yet, and so nations don't know how to respond because they're being told by the ADF, listen, you can't use anti-inflammatory language. You can't speak it as it really is, in other words, right? Because that's going to stir up problems. So we've got to find all these ways to just kind of keep the peace because we don't want to unsettle that spirit. They don't call it that, but we know what it is. We don't want to unleash that spirit here because the people would potentially die. Look at what's going on in the Western nations now. People are being killed, Jews are being attacked, they'll kill the infidels, whoever, it doesn't matter. When they get in a rage like this, it's, 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 it's whatever, for the name of Allah. And this spirit, they're wanting to contain it, but I can tell you now, man's not going to contain this spirit. And if it be God's will, and as we see, as they're all grappling with the issue of Jerusalem, because what's happening is nations are formulating their policies on Jerusalem. As if the land, it's a two-state solution. It's this and it's that. Somehow they're have the they dealing with God's land and every land in the world has got an opinion on it. Well, it's God's land and God has an opinion on it. And God says, my will will be done and all the nations, you're all going to give glory to me. Because it's not your land to separate. And this goes to, you know, everyone thinks that America's the saviour nation. Well, is Biden, they just want to separate God's land. You're not going to win. You can't do it. The right doesn't have the pro- the answer to the problem, even though it's great that they stand with Israel. I understand all of that. But at the end of the day, let's not be short-sighted. Don't be blinded by sometimes our biasness of things, which we are all in the. We've all got to be careful of this. Otherwise, we start to see things in a, in a jagged way. But, you know, when, when, when nations start wanting to separate, the, you know, everyone said, oh, you know, Trump's wonderful, wonderful, how good Trump is, and all the rest of it. And then we see that he's carving up the land, he's doing this, he's doing that. Who are all these people to do this? They're all, one, they're all against God, whether he is good or evil. Because at the end, they're all going to come to the same destination as the scripture says. So let's not be short-sighted. Acknowledge what's going on. Okay, this is what's happening. We interpret it this way. We connect all the dots. But let's not jump ahead of ourselves. Because then we get deceived and we fall into folly. You know what I'm saying? Okay, because I'm guilty of it. Okay, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to us all. But you see, all nations of the earth will turn against Israel eventually. And so anti-Semitism is everywhere. We're seeing France, they're seeing in London where the protests and the chanting and the, the, the murder and the threats. They're all, the, the nations are on edge because they're, they're, they're thinking that there's some kind, some lunatic's gonna start going around and start killing people. And I don't wanna say this in, in a bad way, but it's not a matter of, of if, it's a matter of when. Because this is going to touch every nation. Everyone's going to be drawn into the spiritual vortex. Because it all has to do with God's plan and purpose and his glorification. So, in light of that, we're seeing increasing political and media condemnation in Israel and all the rest of it. There's so much that we can talk about. it. I want to conclude. But what's the answer for us, Church? You know, the answer for us is still simple. Preach the gospel. That's it. Preach the gospel. Because what can happen, and we were talking about this the other night, is because we see Israel being bombarded by the the Palestinians, let's be honest, let's be real, because we love the Jew and we should. We pray for Jerusalem. We, We should. We're commanded to. And we have a heart for them, for their suffering. I mean, it's horrific. But hey, you know, in our heart, do we get pleased when we You know, we've got to guard our heart because God loves the Jew and he loves the Gentiles and he loves the Palestinians and he loves the Arabs. Because the gospel, we're in the dispensation of grace, right? We're not, we're not in that dispensation yet where things start to shift and then we start to move you know, on that nationalistic level even though it's all happening all around us. And so the answer is, is that all men need the gospel because, because you know, Israel's in that state because of their rejection of the Messiah. These, these savages are like that because they're possessed by demonic spirits uh, that are uh, fueling them to such evil and wickedness. They all need to be saved, they all need the gospel. And that's our, this is where we've got to keep ourselves in check. And keep on that path because that's what the answer is. This is what we're called to do. Otherwise, we can get resentful. Jesus said, if my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight. But it's not. So don't get caught up in, the, in that side of it when we're not part of it in that way. It's very subtle. If my, if my kingdom of this world, I would call, my, ser, my servants would fight. natural, But Jesus is not. Because the kingdom of God is not of the kingdom of God is where? In our hearts. The kingdom of God is, is in the kingdom of God. Yes, there is a future plan. And we look at all of that. But at, the, at this time, and that doesn't mean that I'm a pacifist and that there's never war. I understand the reality of life. And I'm not denying that and shying away from that at all. I'm saying we have to have a clear, sober mind about where things are at and what we have to do and what's important. Otherwise, we'll blur them, muddy the waters, and then all of a sudden, Christian testimony even can be lost. So we have to be mindful of these things. And so the cross is what we preach. We preach the lamb of God that suffered. It was a lamb that was led to the slaughter, and he died. We preach Christ and him crucified. That's it. It's the same message, church. It hasn't changed. Yes, Jesus will come back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Yes, he's going to destroy his enemies with the rod and the breath of his mouth. He's going to destroy them all. But that's his, that's, that's his business. They said, hey, Jesus, uh, when is this going to happen? He said, ah, you don't worry about that. Those times are in the Father's hands. You just be about your business and go and preach the kingdom of God. And we have to soberly think about that this morning. Because that's what we're called to do. That's what we must be doing. And so our message to the world is flee from the wrath to come. Jesus is coming back. God, the great tribulation is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. There's a heaven, there's a hell, there's eternal punishment. We preach the gospel because our desire is to see souls saved. God desires that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. That doesn't mean that all will, but this is God's desire and it must be ours. So let us be about the work of the kingdom of God. That's our mandate. The rest is in God's hands. Let's pray. Father, we bless your name this morning. My God, I pray that you would take your word and minister God to our hearts. Lord, we identify, Lord, with your people, the nation of Israel. Lord, we see what's going on around us and we are identifying from your word, your will and your purposes and help us to understand the times. Help us, Lord, to interpret these things properly so that we can understand the times and know what we ought to be doing. And what we ought to be doing is, Lord, preaching the gospel. Lord, even more so in the days in which we live, because the hour is late, the time is short, and this time is uh, coming to an end, because your wrath will ultimately be poured out upon upon all men. And so, God, I pray that we would see souls saved, delivered, and healed let us understand these things and let us, Lord, like Jesus, be about the Father's business. I pray your blessing upon us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.